Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 46 The Other Antique Shop Despite encouragement for Reed, it took me a while to work up the courage to confront the monster I'd created. I didn't mean that. Finn isn't a monster. But I certainly built him up to be one in my heed. I hated that I was relieved he was spending more time in storage than the shop. When a situation or conversation promises to be hard, avoid, avoid, and avoid some more. Despite his promise, Reed hadn't been in since we'd had that conversation, but it had only been a few days. As I was trying to build a script in my head, a what I'd say to Finn when I did eventually grow enough of a spine to confront him, the bell above the door rang and a confused-looking customer walked in, white business card nestled in their fingers. I expected to see the usual glance a wonder, the slight glistening a doubt. This customer's eyebrows were drawn into a very bemused frown, almost like they thought they were in the wrong place. This small shift in facial expression threw me for a few seconds. Kronos, lolling on the glass counter attempting to paw something aff onto the floor, even perked up at this unusual reaction. Disoriented, the customer wobbled their way to the counter, glancing down at the card in their hands every few seconds like it'd change or disappear. They smile at me, unsure, before placing the white business card on the glass counter. I've seen so many of these over the years that even before it snaps onto the scratched glass, I know something's aff about this card. There's too much writing, too much detail. The font is wrong, the colour of the text Christ, even the paper it's printed on is cheap and already beginning to curl at the edges. I may have seen too many of the madam's business cards. Before Kronos can swipe it away like it's an errant mouse, I pick it up to inspect. Although the word madam is mentioned on the original cards, that's it. There's nothing else. The one the customer had brought in had an address, one that was on the other side of the city and know the street which the shop occupied. If it hadn't been for the Madame Norna at the top, I'd have thought this person was meant to turn up at the hovel Madame Honora dwells in. I didn't really know what else to do, and Kronos is unhelpfully quiet. The customer has come to see a madam in an antique shop, and by the stiff smile plastered on their face, I didn't think I can just turn them away. 
So I take them upstairs to see my boss. They're just like any other customer. A weird problem that has an even weirder solution. They leave with thanks, hopefully never to return. After they've gone, I dig out the card they'd brought in and show Madame Norna, wondering if she has any clues. Even if she does, her facial expression, as ever, remains stoic. It's no like she'd tell me anyway. She says she doesn't know who or what it is, and tells me Kronos and I should go and investigate. Kronos can leave the shop. I hesitated for a few moments, staring intently into her eyes, waiting for the punchline. I should know by now that it never comes. For the first time, Kronos and I were going on an adventure. I went downstairs to get the wee shite and tell him what the rest of his day was shaping up to be. He wasn't too happy when I suggested we buy a harness for him at the pet shop across the street so we could go walkies. I wasn't too happy when he smugly explained to me that he'd be carried when necessary. We fucker. Walking down the street with a cat at my side doesn't feel like the weirdest thing I'd done. But it probably is. Rather than take a few buses, it was decided, by the wee shite, that we'd take the train instead. This was the portion where he demanded carrying, and we both sat being shaken by the train whilst I swatted away curious passengers before Kronos could do it, drawing blood in the process. I was quite glad he was black. A lot of the older passengers gave us both a wide berth. I even heard some old hen fret over where she'd put her lucky ring. Eventually, it's our stop, and being carried like he's an emperor, Kronos and I exit the station and eventually find our way to the address listed on the business card the customer left. I couldn't tell if Kronos was as surprised as I was by the place actually being an antique shop. A real one. Maybe no real, but normal. I bet the things inside wouldn't kill someone if they bought it. I was a bit disoriented, like the wind had been taken out my sails. I'd expected this to be a shady wee shop with a shady Madame Imposter, who the real Madame Norna would sort out in whatever way she wished. There was a bloody cafe next door to this quaint-looking antique shop. I dare no say it was nicer on the outside than the actual shop, even though it's true. I decided to go inside and held the door open for Kronos to follow me. There was no sign saying dogs or animals weren't allowed, and even if there was, good luck arguing with the wee shite. Sterile was the word that came to mind. A place cleaned so often that its soul has been swept up with the dust and dirt. Everything had a place. Everything had an order. There was space to move, sections that were labelled and signposted. 
floors that were clean, corners free of spiderwebs. There were no nooks to hide away in, no items that would catch your eye because they were out of place, nothing that would beckon or call. I expected to feel magic, to feel the pull of something I couldn't explain, the echoes of history, time, memories. I could feel nothing but the boredom that echoed around me aft the clean floors, pristine mirrors and polished glass. This was the shop we no one to make it messy. The one similarity between this shop and the real one was the door labelled private that was visible behind the wooden counter. There had been no bell on the door, but a few minutes after we'd entered, this door opened, and a woman, dressed as a tribute act to Madame Norna, appeared, and beamed at me when her eyes found me amidst the order of the shop. She greeted me cheerfully, no realising that Kronos was on the floor at my side, and introduced herself as Madame Norna, before asking me what she could help me with. Kronos nearly had to pick my jaw up. What the fuck was this woman doing? Assuming my silence was the overwhelmed kind, the kind some of the customers to the real shop experienced, she assured me that no problem was too weird, no situation too unusual. She had a remedy for them all. Did she? Because I was finding that hard to believe. The more I began to connect the dots, the more sinister this entire thing was. Why can nothing ever be funny? Were customers coming here with their real problems and she was giving them fake remedies? Was this allowed? Wasn't she interfering with their fates if she did that? Who had she inadvertently harmed with this charade? Fake Madame Norna began to look concerned when I still hadn't said anything, and taking his cue, Kronos decided to join in by jumping onto the counter, and I saw the flash of recognition in her eyes as soon as she saw his black tail swishing back and forth. The concern evaporated for her expression, and she stared at me with fear, screaming for the depths of her mind. She immediately claimed she didn't mean it, that it was a joke, a prank, no harm done. Please didn't sue her. Christ, that was going to be the least of her worries. I questioned why she was pretending to be the madam. What good was coming for this pretense? There wasn't much money in the antique business, according to the fake madam. People had less money to spend. People weren't coming as much, and the few clients she arranged special sales for were dwindling. The business was struggling to stay afloat, so she'd had to do something. When one of her pals began having a strange problem, the real madam's card had come into this pal's possession, and they'd gone to the real shop together. 
Whilst waiting for her pal to finish with my boss, the fake madam had soaked everything about the real shop in. Noticed the customers buying things and noticing how her pal came out burden-free with her prescribed solution working a treat. Assuming it was all a scam and that my boss had just been lucky with her solution or it was some sort of coincidence or placebo effect on her pal, the fake madam put her plan into action. She'd printed out similar-looking business cards with her shop's address and made sure they were in circulation. Soon enough, people began to arrive at her shop wanting her help with strange problems, and she was more than willing to give them the same service she assumed we had. A forgery. Business had been looking up ever since. Before I could launch into a tirade about how she didn't understand what she was messing with, how she was hurting people more than she appreciated, or to forget all of that and encourage her to stop, I felt a gentle breeze on the back of my neck as the door opened behind me. I briefly glanced around to see an older woman in such a bad state I couldn't help but pat my pockets for my phone, assuming we'd be needing an ambulance. There was no blood or anything, but her eyes were bloodshot, her fingertips red raw where she'd been picking or biting them. She appeared manic, unhinged, so I took a few steps away. Even Kronos got up, his fur standing on end, mirroring the tension in the shop. Taking the words right out of my mouth, this older woman accused the fake madam of being a liar and that her help had only made things worse. There were a few seconds where I thought I might have conjured this woman and honestly, I'm still not completely convinced I didn't. The fake madam began to stutter out an apology, but this either wasn't quick enough or wasn't good enough to this disgruntled customer as she began charging towards where the fake madam stood. I didn't know if she had a weapon on her and I didn't want to find out because Kronos and I were standing around. It was only the shallowest thought, the stupid, inappropriate kind you get when you're in a serious situation but your brain doesn't want to process. If only there was a rug on the floor I could pull and trip this woman up. There was a clatter of limbs on the wooden floor, the rattle of china plates and glass cabinets glancing off each other with a small earthquake caused by this woman's fall. There was no rug, nothing sticking out or on the floor, Nothing that could reasonably have decked this woman. But there she was, face first on the polished wood. Seeing an opportunity, I went and helped pick the woman up off the floor, and after rummaging around in my pockets, procured the real madam's minimalist business card, and promised that if she went there, she'd get the help she needed. Disoriented and embarrassed after her fall, 
She nodded her head dazedly before leaving. Didn't he ask where I got the card, Faye? There'd been a lot of things appearing out of thin air that day. I eventually turned to the fake madam and warned her if she carried on, there'd be more irate customers bent on revenge. The next time, I wouldn't be around to help defuse the situation. I didn't mention fate or the dangerous consequences of interfering in its business. I think the disgruntled customer had made my point quite well. She fell over herself, reassuring me that she'd stop, swearing on her mother's life that she'd never be so stupid again. I couldn't tell if that had always be true, but at least she knew what the consequences would be if she carried on, and if she was stupid enough to carry on, then that was on her. Before Kronos and I left to return to the strangeness of the real shop, I checked this fake one for an owl, but only saw a stuffed one placed behind a glass cabinet. Its glassy eyes too blank to be the ones I was looking for. This woman didn't know how lucky she was. On the way back to the real shop, I began to wonder if the reason why Kronos had been sent with me and no read was because the madam either knew or assumed I'd need a bit more muscle for protection. Was it the madam who had set up the disgruntled customer? Things lined up a bit too nicely. Upon arriving in the shop, I was greeted by the problem I had created for myself. Finn. It would have been easy to walk past, to make a casual greeting and get on with my day, ignoring the problems that lurked in the unspoken words. But I just witnessed what happens when you let things go too far. Reed was right. We needed to talk. Finn and I sat in one of the many quiet nooks of the shop. The one I used to go to when things were bad. Almost overwhelming. He was antsy. His eyes darted every which way and his knee kept bobbing up and down like he wanted to get up and sprint. All this pent-up energy like a dog who hasn't been walked, seeped out in any way it could. I apologised to Finn. I was sorry for what I'd done, for the deal I'd made. I confessed I hadn't realised at the time how selfish it had been, how much frustration and resentment it had caused. I'd wanted to keep him. I'd no wanted him to die because that was all I had thought about. Me. There was silence. His leg was still. Something prickled my eyes, but I blinked it back. He puts his heed in his hands and takes a long, deep breath out, before looking at me straight in the eye and calling me an Egypt. He's no smiling, but he's no angry either. Finn admits that 
things have been rough. That some days he's frustrated and angry, trapped and suffocated. Those days he doesn't like me very much. He blames me for his captivity, for his loss of freedom. The other days he's glad to be alive and no food for the worms and maggots. He's conflicted, pulled between hatred and anger, gratitude and being indebted that I saved his life. I begged death themselves to save Finn, stared one of the most powerful beings in existence in the face and begged for clemency, for Finn. How could he ever repay that? He was never just angry at me, but at himself. He reached out and took my hand, which I wish he hadn't done because keeping those tears at bay was proven a task too difficult for me. He admitted that despite his feelings, whichever end of the scale they were on, he was still my familiar and still my pal. He needed more time to acclimatise, to sort himself out. Some days he'll be fine. Some days he's going to be an arsehole. But he'll be an arsehole who loves me, beneath it all. I wish I could tell you that a weight was lifted off my shoulders, that I unloaded the burden of guilt. But that too is going to take time. As I was trying to build a script in my head, a what I'd say to Finn when I did eventually grow enough of a spine. <coughs> no, we're having issues. We're having issues. Before Kronos can swipe it away like it's an. Rather than take a. <coughs> rather, rather than take a few buzzies. Rather than. Oh God, I've done it again. <laughs> This was the portion where he demanded carrion, and we both shat... Sh- oh, no, we didn't. We did not both do that. <laughs> oh, dear. And the few clients she arranged, face first on the polished... Thank you for listening to episode 46 of The Antique Shop. Episode 47 will be released in two weeks' time. If you'd like to support the show, please think about leaving a review and rating wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to go above and beyond for the podcast, then think about visiting our coffee account by searching for Ghostly Thistle on coffee.com and donating however much you can. If you'd like to get in touch about this podcast or my other podcast, then you can message me on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Ghostly Thistle or email me at ghostly.thistle at gmail.com. If you are interested in some of the behind the scenes and inspirations for the episodes in this podcast, then do join the subreddit by searching for the Antique Shop Pod on Reddit and join in the discussion. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.